to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, we're talking all things combine day number two, the running backs and the offensive line. We're at the podiums. We have workouts going on right now as I record this podcast with the quarterbacks, tight ends, and wide receivers. We're going to cover that down the road. This is all about the media, what guys said, as well as some scouting reports and just prospect talk. And we also have a couple of interviews. Jordan Reed of ESPN and Ben Solak from The Ringer are going to join me to talk quarterback class, the depth of the class, the running back position, all kinds of stuff coming your way on this edition of Drive Time from Indianapolis. This is the Drive Time Podcast. Let's go ahead and kick this podcast off first with my sit-down conversation with ESPN's Jordan Reed. What's up, Dolphins? Travis Wingfield here, the host of the Drive Time Podcast on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Jordan Reed of ESPN. Jordan, we're here working hard all day, all week, but you're, you kind of have some time off compared to what's going on back home, I understand. Yeah, I do. I have twin girls at home, so they keep me busy along with draft stuff. That's exactly right. I got a two-year-old in my house as well, so we stay busy there, but here we are talking all things draft with you, and we've had you in the podcast a couple times and kind of trying to figure out something to relate to the Dolphins here with this draft class, and we haven't spoken about, together at least, Mike McDaniel and Tua Tungabailoa. You always have quarterback playing experience and, and a lot of time with that position evaluating it. How do you see that marriage kind of coming together and how Tua's skill set matches what Mike McDaniel wants to do on offense? Yeah, well, I'm interested in it, especially when you're talking about a scheme that really takes advantage of the short to intermediate areas of the game, specifically the middle of the field, which is something Tua has strengths in doing. Even going back to his days at Alabama, we know the quick slant game, the wide zone play action game too, whether it was under center or play action. I think Coach McDaniel has a nice foundation to work with. And you talk about ways to support your young quarterback. The running game is a big part of that. You just published a piece on ESPN.com talking about some good fits for each team. It was all 32 teams, right? Yeah. And for the Miami Dolphins, you had Michigan State's Kenneth Walker. So what do you see about Kenneth Walker's game that fits well here with the Miami Dolphins? So he originally started his career at Wake Forest, and he kind of got lost in the shuffle there on the depth chart. Wake Forest has a little bit of an unconventional offense. I think that's the best way that you can put it with some of those mesh fakes and some of those play actions that they do run. It's like an elongated mesh with the quarterback. So... With Kenneth Walker, though, he was phenomenal last year as far as just a rushing ability. He has the contact balance that you love to see. Needs to clean some things up in pass protection, but I think he can learn that on the next level as he gets more involved with it. But from a running back standpoint, he has it all. Do you think he's in the first round? And is there other guys that you would put in that first round range in this year's class? I think top 50. I think that's probably the the comfortable projection. I would go with him along with Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M and then also Brees Hall from Iowa State. I think those three make up that first tier of running backs in this class. We heard Coach McDaniel talking about certain things he looks for in the running back position. He even talked about how he prepared a, a scouting tape for his personnel staffer. Here's some of the things that I look for at the running back position. What do you look for when you pop on a tape of one of these prospects at the running back spot? Well, just from experience coaching the position, I coached it collegiately at North Carolina Central University, vision and footwork. Those are the two things that I think are not coachable. Either you have it or you don't. They're just those natural 
ability and instincts that you have to have at the position, so vision as far as being able to see things before they happen, and then just being instinctual at the running back position too. And then on the offensive line, a big part of that's obviously reading blocks and setting things up that way. What do you make of this year's class, whether it's on the tackle position, on the interior? Just a pretty strong group up front. Yeah, um, interior-wise, I think it's top-heavy. You hear Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, center from Iowa, Kenyon Green from Texas A&M, and then also Zion Johnson from Boston College, who's played all five positions up front, excuse me, guard and tackle. He played center primarily at the senior bowl. That was his first time playing it. But interior, I think it's very top-heavy. But tackle, I think there's a lot of names in the first, second, even third round. We had Daniel Jeremiah did his, uh, his annual conference call last week, and he talked about how many offensive linemen on the past Super Bowl winning teams were drafted in the first round, second round? And you talked about how you can find guys really in the middle portions of the draft. Who are some guys that, you know, between rounds, let's say two through four or five, they really stand out to you on the offensive line? This There's two for me, and they're both centers. The first one is Cole Strange from UT Chattanooga. I was really impressed with him down at the Senior Bowl. It was his first time playing center alongside right, right. Zion Johnson. A little bit of a smaller guy, but we've seen that in the San Francisco 49ers offense of where they kind of have that undersized center that really wants to take advantage of those perimeter runs, outside zone, wide zone. You have to have athletes in that type of offense. And then the other one is Luke Fortner from Kentucky, who I think is probably going to be a fourth or fifth round draft selection. I was really impressed by him. Be curious to see where those guys come off the board. And I think one of the first times you and I met was it. Was it Austin Jackson's press? It was. Uh, his press it availability. Was. So talking about how the Dolphins' current offensive line, because they do have some pieces invested on the on the offensive front with Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Solomon Kinley, Liam Eikenberg, all recent draft picks. How do you see those guys kind of meshing into the to what McDaniel ultimately wants to do on offense? We'll see. It's kind of TBD with those guys. There's some argument that could be made that some of them were playing out of position. So I think he may do some shuffling there. There's some free agents that they could sign. There's a connection there with Lakin Tomlinson from San Francisco and their days together. So I think it's kind of TBD with that just to see what happens. We've, cut, we've talked a lot about the offense on, on this edition of the podcast and in a lot of our interviews here because that's, I think, a, a big area for the Dolphins to focus on the offense, but you don't want to get complacent on defense either. And, and Coach McDaniel spoke about Josh Boyer's defense and, and the job that he did and, and kind of going against that scheme as, a, as an offensive coach in the past. What do you think the Dolphins' focus is on defense? Where can the Dolphins get better? Because we've had a, a top-scoring defense, top third down, all that stuff the last couple of years. Where can this defense take their game to another level? I think linebacker is one position that they could look to upgrade from. Jerome Baker has turned out to be a really good player for them, the athletic mold that you like to see at the position this year. Three-down value, you can play really good against the run, come downhill and strike. And then we know with him being so athletic, he's going to be good against the pass, too. And then there's two linebackers at the top right now, N'Kobe Dean from Georgia and then Devin Lloyd from Utah. I think both of those guys have their strengths and weaknesses in certain areas. N'Kobe Dean is a little bit undersized, about 5'11", 230 pounds. I think that's probably where he's going to end up coming in. Devin Lloyd is more of your bigger, faster, and then rangy type of linebacker, 6'3", 230 pounds. But both of them have terrific value behind the line of scrimmage, creating those tackle for loss, those blitz value. They can play defensive end. They can they can blitz those gaps up the middle, too. So I'm really excited about those two. And I think there's some depth at this linebacker, this linebacker group overall. Damone Clark from LSU is one name I'm hearing that could go a little bit higher than what a lot of people are expecting. And Chad Muma from Wyoming, we've seen the linebacks that they have produced in years past. Logan Wilson, right? That was Logan the big, Wilson the big too, one coming yeah. out of there, yeah. We talked on the podcast we did back, I think it was in January. I can't remember exactly when it was. We talked about some of the Dolphins' young talent. And, you know, you look at uh, Brandon Jones, Javon Holland, Jalen Phillips, 
lot of these guys that have kind of already had success in the National Football League. How do you kind of see this young Dolphins core of defenders taking that next step and really, you know, helping the defense get to that higher level? I really like the young core that they have. And Jalen Phillips, I think the world of him. I loved him coming out. I thought he was the best as far as pass rusher that could translate from day one. And then we both know how much I love Javon Holland coming out. I thought he was one of the better safeties in the draft overall. Graduated in two and a half years from Oregon. And just think about that, accomplishing that uh, on top of his football duties too. And then the leadership just hearing him talk at the podium a couple of years ago and you know things like that. I really enjoyed Javon Holland coming out. So we had Emery Hunt on, who, who played running back in college. She played some quarterback in college. I asked him how many bench press reps he could get in right now. He said maybe 10. Yeah. I won't ask you that question, but what would your best event be if you, if you went out there and worked out today? Ooh, I probably would pull my hamstring 10 <laughs> yards into the 40. So, so 10 yard um, split though. Yeah, 10 yard split <laughs> would probably be the best. Very good. Jordan Reed, ESPN. We appreciate your time today. Man. Absolutely. Thanks as always, Travis. And away he goes. Great stuff there from ESPN's Jordan Reed. It still feels awesome to say ESPN in front of his name. Next, another guy that has a new gig, a new venture, Benjamin Solak from The Ringer, from one guy who played quarterback to a guy who spent most of his, what is it, 25 years now for Ben, talking all things quarterbacks. We're going to come back with that interview next here on the Drive Time Podcast with Travis Wingfield. All right, Drive Time Podcast brought to you by Auto Nation, And we are going to go ahead and get to my interview now with the Ringers, Benjamin Solak. What's up, Dolphins? Travis Wingfield here, the host of the Drive Time Podcast on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. We are here at the Glorious Scouting Combine. I am joined by Ben Solak of the Ringer. Ben, welcome in, man. I really thought you mispronounced Dolphins at first, and I was like, oh, we're going to have to retake this. But then I got Dolphins. I got there. I got there mentally. My name's One Take Travis around here. Yeah, yeah One that, Take Travis. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's how we do it. But uh, Scouting Combine, man, a year off last year, no yep. no Combine for the Dolphins, but they still found a way to, to have a really successful 2021 draft class. Yeah, Jalen Phillips, man. I, I was confident he was going to be Defensive Rookie of the Year. Nobody told me Mike, Michael Parsons right. was going <laughs> to set some records. But Phillips had a really, really nice season. He came along and then waddle right which is just mike mcdaniel yelling waddle at every chance he gets he's a, he's a special and exciting player it's my favorite thing i think we have going and that's that's saying a lot because mike mcdaniel is is making his rounds here around the media and he's he's, yeah. he's hitting some home runs so we are here for the combine and you know uh last year didn't have a chance to do this but we're back here now and and you know every every draft kind of has different storylines that i suppose people latch on to Let's, let's go ahead and start at the quarterback position because I think a lot of folks yeah. would call this a weak quarterback draft. Do you think this is a weak quarterback draft? And if you could just talk about that class a little bit. I view this class more like 2013 where the first quarterback picked was E.J. Manuel. He was 16 overall. So basically we got through the entire first half of the first round before we got a quarterback out. And I think in a standard draft, that's probably what you would get with this caliber of a class. There's always extra urgency to go get a quarterback, though, especially now, 2022 versus 2013. And so you have teams like Washington, teams like Carolina, teams like Pittsburgh, Denver, who, pending free agency and trades, might really feel the need to go get a guy. But this is the 2013 class. To me, there's three quarterbacks that could get round one conversation, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, and Kenny Pickett. And probably all three will go first round just because of the desperation. But that's the caliber of a class we're dealing with. And if you're hitching your horse to that wagon, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough bet to make. Just teams have to be in that position. We, we heard Coach McDaniel talk earlier about the Dolphins will be in the market for a quarterback. And guess Jacoby Brissett's a free agent, whether it's him coming back, a mm-hmm. veteran signing. He talked about the value of having experience and guys that can not only support your QB1, but also come off the bench and win games if they have to. Is there a guy in this class, you mentioned the three potential first-rounders, yeah. that would fit the mold of that developmental guy that the Dolphins might have an eye towards as a possible backup-slash-developmental guy? 
If you're going for a, a guy who has the athletic traits that you'd like to see in a starting quarterback and never played like it really at the college level, Skylar Thompson out of Kansas State played in a, in a quarterback run style offense. Chris Kleiman was his coach there at Kansas State. He was the coach for Carson Wentz in North Dakota State. So they kind of ran a similar offense where they get that big quarterback involved in the running game. And then he has a legit arm to him. He has distance to him and he has zip to him inconsistent accuracy you know it was a very simple offense and stuff to read it out and he dealt with injury over the course of his career so Skyler Thompson is, is you're going to be your what round three round four guy that you bring into the building and if you get Jacoby Brissett out of him you can win a couple games with the Jacoby Brissett but Dolphins fans would know that's what yeah. we're looking for he did win a couple games last year but yeah. you know one of the things that coach McDaniel has mentioned in terms of how to support the quarterback is obviously the running game and he, he's touched on the idea of building identity for the running game uh, right. there's been some uh, Daniel Jeremiah did a conference call last week talking about potential fits for what his running game might be what does that look like and who are some guys you like in this draft right. that would fit the McDaniel the McVay the Shanahan type of tree for running style? it's an extremely tricky question because what is the McDaniel Shanahan tree it's a tree that's changed a lot over the last five years Kyle Shanahan brought a wide zone running game to San Francisco in 2017 by the time McDaniel left they're running gap power right they got a fullback they're running a lot of different stuff uh, and so it's tricky to say and right you're like all right go find you a Trent Williams Everybody would like to find a Trent Williams. You know what I mean? That's not really a <laughs> prototype that you get to use. Um, but it's going to start with that offensive line. Uh, and that's an offensive line that you had uh, guys who were a little bit lighter and guys who were expected to move a little bit quicker, and your Austin Jacksons, and guys who are a little bit heavier and guys who move with power, Robert Hunt and Solly Kindley. I would expect they, they stay more in the, you know, Hunt I think is a player who can start for you, Kindley is a player who can play for you. I think they would probably stay more so on that side of things and potentially try to get bigger at tackle. If you're trying to get bigger at tackle in this class, you go with Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. You go with Evan Neal out of Alabama. He's at the top of the class. Yeah, guys aren't going to get him. But you get guys like this, Luquette out of Virginia Tech is 6'9". You get those guys with size and guys that can move dudes. But beyond the offensive line, because that's the most important part, you saw with McDaniel and Shanahan that they needed to put blockers on the field who could then stay on the field in the passing game, right? And that's where you have your George Kittles, your Kyle Juszczyk's, but also like your Jawan Jennings. Really important player for San Francisco. Big slot receiver who could, yeah, get you a bucket on third and five, right, win the route, but he could be used as a blocker. And that's what let them keep the same personnel groupings on the field. So you look at David Bell out of Purdue, right? You look at a guy like... I mean, Drake London, again, this is going to be too early for you guys, but Romeo du Dobbs out of Nevada, big receivers who can move into the slot and they can block a guy. They can hit a guy. That's going to be really important for Miami because right now Mike Gesicki is kind of that guy because he plays wide receiver a little bit. Obviously, he's a free agent. They need that body. So expect him to also invest in blocking receivers and tight ends as well. He's made a big point about emphasizing that, and you get what you emphasize in the running game with receivers is yeah. a big part of that. Real quick before my next question, is David Bell a potential first-round pick? Because he blew me away in his media. That kid's he's fantastic. A and yeah. his game matches, too. Is he a first-round pick? He blew us away here. I don't think he's going to really blow us away on in Lucas Oil Stadium uh, in, terms of, in terms of the testing. And in this wide receiver class, we have a lot of really good athletes. Uh, so David Bell is more so a guy that I think is a, a round two, round three guy that okay. you're going to be looking for. And then you you know, you know can go for some of your you know injury risk guys. Like a George Pickens is an incredible blocker out of Georgia. Round one talent. But he had the ACL injury, and he really fought back to get on the field this year, maybe rushed the rehab a little bit. And so he's a question mark, right? So I think Miami's going to be in a spot where they can sit. You know, obviously, first-round pick belongs to my Eagles. Go Birds. Um, but they can sit, <laughs> and they can wait and say, all right, if we get into round two, potentially our ability to go get one of these receivers that we need to add to the blocking game. Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely an area of focus for this Dolphins team across the offense. I mean, offensive line, running back, receiver, they could really add any yeah. any position. When I don't want to talk to you about the defense because – we only have you for a certain amount of time here, but what's what's going on in Indianapolis this week? What's what's right. your big draw away from the combine that you're looking forward to getting to? I think we were we were very interested and very excited about the idea of veteran quarterback movement in the league. And I think that that's still possible, but I think you've, you've seen some cold water get thrown on those fires in terms of a Rodgers move, in terms of Russell Wilson move, and then the accompanying Jimmy Garoppolo move and Kirk Cousins move, and there's all of these dominoes of these veteran quarterbacks. 
the Colts seem to want to move off Carson Wentz. Other than that, we're kind of just, you know, waiting and seeing if a quarterback domino falls. And so I think the this part of the combine, the first few days, are a lot about the, the coaches and the GM speaking. You start to get a feel for the prospects a little bit later once some guys test and some rumors come out. Right now it's about that, and I think the league is in a little bit of a, a, a standoff. Everybody's kind of waiting to see yeah. if somebody's first domino falls. Dolphins have got to worry about that. they got their guy. But it's going to be a lot of veteran quarterback movement. We'll see if that comes to fruition. You got a chance to see Coach McDaniel. What was your impressions of him and his media? I mean, he's fun, right? Like, I, it's going to be really interesting. I think he's the sort of guy where if it, if it works, right, if he able gets guys in, in the locker room who believe in the way that he coaches and he gets coaches that work with him well, you can see this being really, really successful. But it is something that, like, even with, like, Kyle Shanahan being a little bit of, like, a similar style coach, Kyle had Mike. Kyle had the last name, you know what I mean? They kind of, he'd been in NFL circles for a long time. McDaniel's a Yale grad who hasn't played, you know what I mean? That, that is a thing that is going to matter to players and matter to assistant coaches. It's going to be a thing that he has to reconcile with. He's talked about this, you know? And so I, I like him. I would want to play for him. But I'm also me, you know what I mean? I'm not, I, didn't, I didn't go to Clemson, I didn't go to Ohio State, play four years, whatever. Uh, and so it's going to be really cool to see him work around being the first time running the room learning what works for him, learning what he has to change. And I think there's a chance he builds like a really cool culture, a really fun offense in Miami. That's what I'd like to see. That's what we've seen so far in the first couple yeah. weeks of being around him. So Ben Solak, the ringer, appreciate your time today, man. Of course. See Thanks, Travis. Appreciate you. And away he goes. You can follow those guys at Jordan underscore Reed on Twitter, as well as at Benjamin Solak. Go check those guys work out. They do great stuff for those two very, very popular publications. We're going to take our last break here and come back on the other side and get some audio from the running backs and offensive linemen I spoke to on, what day is it? It's Thursday. Podcast is on Friday, but those guys spoke on Thursday. We'll get to that as well as some prospect reports from some of our publica- our favorite publications, I should say, on the next side of the break here. Travis Wingfield, Drive Time Podcast. All right, we are back here on the Drive Time Podcast, picking things up with what we heard on Thursday from the offensive linemen and the running backs that we spoke to. And first, I want to go ahead and just read a quote. I do not have the audio for you guys, but I got a great quote here uh, from offensive lineman from Boston College, Alec Lindstrom. His brother, Chris Lindstrom, played for the, I think it was the Golden Eagles back then. Now it's just the Eagles, a first-round draft pick there for the Atlanta Falcons. And here is what... Lindstrom had to say about Matt Applebaum, who coached Lindstrom. Sorry, that's a lot of names I'm trying to get off my head here. Who coached Lindstrom at Boston College last year. Quote, Coach Applebaum is the man. Coming in, he really introduced me to that zone scheme offense and really refining my technique in a zone scheme. I'm a smaller guy and having someone like him to really work on my technique and my athleticism and using that to my advantage is unreal. An example is every single day after practice, after workouts, whatever, he always cared about us. He would stay after practice and take his time to work with us to get better and use that extra time. Always there to talk. I just talked to him a couple of minutes ago. I saw him in the hallway. He's such a personable guy. He's a great guy and he's a great coach. End quote. And I do have a video slash audio for this where he talks about one of the players that he enjoyed watching growing up as a youth. And it was Alex Mack, who, if you might recall, began his career with the Cleveland Browns and was there in 2014 with Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel. And then he signed to the Atlanta Falcons in 2016 when Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel were in Atlanta. Here's Alec Lindstrom talking about watching Alex Mack, the wide zone system, and working with Matt Applebaum on zone blocking in particular, just that portion of the offense. Here is 
Alec Lindstrom. He played for the Falcons with my brother. Chris said he's a great guy, and watching someone like him, he's someone that I watched growing up with his tape, you know, big outside zone guy, and, and he's a great player. And then looking at that offense, you know, that's kind of where we got our offense at BC. You know, Coach Ignati got it from San Francisco, Coach Alpabon with the Dolphins, learned from the San Francisco O-line coach, and, and, and the way they use their scheme, the outside zone, I really think that fits me, but... Again, I'll do whatever, wherever, but I really like watching him on the field. So you hear from Lindstrom there. You heard the quote that I read to you guys. And that, to me, speaks to teaching, right? We've, we've gone over that theme of this Dolphin staff and the not just the, the talking about it, but the actionable consequences of doing that over the course of many years at many stops at college football, at the National Football League level. And so you heard... Lindstrom there talking about Applebaum staying after practice and working with the guys. Listen to what Zion Johnson said, who, by the way, Zion Johnson, potential first round pick. He's number 41 on Daniel Jeremiah's big board. I, I tend to think he goes higher than 41, but DJ's great at what he does. So that's a great a landing spot there for him. We'll see what happens come draft day. I just, I think the world of Zion Johnson's ability. And I found out today, I didn't know this that he only played one year of high school football, had a 4.0 in high school, and was planning to attend Harvard until football became, oh, I'm really, really good at this. I can be a possible first-round pick in four years if I do that. He wound up going to Davidson as a result of that short high school career, wound up at Boston College, as you know, but he was also there at Davidson with Coach Matt Applebaum, and we talked about the teaching of Alec Lindstrom's quotes and comments there that he would stay after practice and help those guys get going and teach that system to them. Listen to what Zion Johnson had to say about Matt Applebaum. Here's two specific stories he gives us about how he helped him become a kid that played one year of high school football to now potentially a first-round draft pick. I would say for me, when I first got to Davidson, I only really played one year in college. You know, I was on the team for two, played one year, uh, really behind everybody else in terms of development. Didn't know, I didn't know what an over front was. I didn't know what a three technique was. I was so behind. And Coach Applebaum was a guy who, you know, took me aside. Would I'd go to his office uh, in the evenings and go over that sort of thing. And that really helped me be able to get on, on the field my, uh, my freshman year. And I'd say uh, for a second story, you know, when he came to Boston College, he was really a unique coach I had. Because uh, he's someone who, you know, he has his base in terms of technique, but he's a guy that wants you to do whatever you can to win your rep, to, to do your job. And he's someone who wants to work with the whole offensive line to figure out what the best course of action is in terms of technique or various ways. So I had to, of course, Zion Johnson there, by the way, very, very, very good answer there. Very good instruction about what Matt Applebaum did and and understanding, right, we talk about all the time on this podcast with Mike McDaniel's words to really help us drive that point home, obviously, about the importance of adapting the way you teach or adapting your systems or the way something goes to fit the to benefit the strengths and the skills of the players you have. Those guys just explained exactly that. Like you can't, it's irrefutable with what they just described about Matt Applebaum. So looking forward to getting a chance to watch him work down here in Miami. And again, Zion Johnson, he's, he's a great looking prospect, has five position flexibility, played some center at the senior bowl and stayed after practice every single day, even in the terrible uh, windy, rainy weather and snapped footballs after practice. And he played the pivot, played the guard positions, played the tackle positions and has had success at all of those spots there with the Boston College Eagles. 
Eagles. And Alec Lindstrom played some center this past year for the Boston College Eagles. And he's about 295 on the Draft Network's page. And I think we should have actually, you know what? Yeah, 294 is what his measurement came in at. So he was a little bit undersized for the position, but you hear the intelligence and the ability to communicate things about how you might see a front and those types of things. Potential day three guy there, possibly, who has a lot of intelligence and smarts at that center position. Earlier, we heard from Jordan Reed talking about Luke Fortner from Kentucky, another center in this class as a possibility in terms of guys that can move and guys that are intelligent, a guy that was an engineering, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Engineering major at Kentucky and a very smart guy that moves very well. So of course I had to go find Luke Fortner and ask him about what makes him excel in the zone blocking scheme, the outside wide zone scheme that they ran there at Kentucky under Liam Cohen, who was the, who is now the offensive coordinator of these uh, almost said St. Louis Rams of the world champion Los Angeles Rams. So I wanted to go ahead and ask Luke about what makes him a good fit for getting out in space and all that movement ability. Here he is. Yeah, I think I, I have good quickness off the ball. I think I'm a smart player. I think, you know, being in Liam Cohen's offense last year has been really helpful for me. Liam Cohen was with the Rams as a quarterback's coach and offensive assistant prior to getting the job with Kentucky. Now he's back with the Rams with the OC position or title as his position, I should say. So good stuff there from the pivot, the interior of the offensive line. Kenyon Green spoke to him. He's a potential first-round pick for Texas A&M. And I said, who was the toughest guy you went up against this year? And he told me Alabama's Will Anderson. I think anybody that faced Will Anderson would say that was probably the case. He's going to be the, probably the first pick in the draft next year, if not for a quarterback. But you go back and watch A&M versus Alabama no one had a better game against Will Anderson than Kenyon Green. So I asked him, what did you learn from that matchup against Will Anderson? And he said with a laugh and a chuckle, I didn't take a video because it was so short, but that I can handle speed. Hey, big fella, that's what you need at the tackle position. He also talked about playing inside a guard and his toughest matchup there at guard. But we'll see where he gets drafted and where a team wants to play him. But again, that versatility, flexibility, this offensive line class sure as heck has a bunch of that. How about Central Michigan's offensive lineman, Luke Gadecki, who is fascinating. Uh, he was a D3 guy who transferred to Central Michigan as a tight end and then moved inside to be a tackle and played just a, a total ass-kicker brand of football. Listen to this answer he says about just the way he likes playing and the reason he prefers offensive line over tight end. Look, all the offensive linemen want their hands in the football. Just go see Rob Hunt back in the Baltimore game. They want to touch the ball, right? This guy doesn't. He wants to put guys into the turf. At the end of the day, I'm a finisher. Like, I'm a nasty guy. Like, there's not much greater feeling I get than imposing my will on another grown man and driving him into the dirt, whether that was at tight end or offensive line. And offensive line, I'm able to do it a lot more. So this is right up my alley. <laughs> I just love that answer. And speaking of attitudes and the way guys play the game, Trevor Penning up at Mobile, or down at Mobile, over, I don't even know where I am right now. I'm in Indianapolis, so it's down at Mobile. He talked a little bit about the finishing mentality that he plays with, because if you might recall at the, at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, he was getting chippy with guys pretty much on a down-by-down -down basis and just playing through the echo of the whistle. Here is Penning talking about where that mindset to finish reps and play that way, where it comes from. Just out of passion. Um, my O-line coach in college also kind of... Uh, he uh, almost wanted us to do that. He was uh, really came in. He wanted us having like a dog mentality, really, and um, really just you know punish the defense. And we really prided ourselves on that. So that's really what it comes from—just passion for the game and um, 
just kind of what the coach wanted us to do. There you go. There you go. With Trevor Penning. And that's, it's not just about the way he finishes plays. He's a great player really all around the things he does with the, with the hands, they'll be able to chop down and stay, stay on balance and stay on the balls of his feet to change direction and, and work against counter moves. He really has the entire game. Daniel Falele from Minnesota took the podium, and he told us that he checked in at freshman. He at Minnesota, I should say, as a freshman when he enrolled at 426 pounds. He was down to 380. <laughs> yeah, da- down to 380. Talked a little bit about Jordan Mailata being his inspiration. He's also a soft-spoken dude like that as well. So he kind of has that quiet demeanor, and then it comes off the football, and you don't want to be in front of him. So there's plenty of massive guys that play the game the right way along this offensive line. And 10 of the 50 players in Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 are along the offensive line at tackle, guard, and center. So plenty to choose from there, like we heard with Emery Hunt on the podcast yesterday. Kind of pick your flavor in terms of what you like and in terms of makeup and play style. So there's a lot of options there for you. And there's lots of options at the running back position as well. And we kick it off here with Isaiah Spiller, who is one of my favorite players in the class just because of the multiple things he can do from a catching the football, pass protection, flex out and run routes, and also run the football and hit big runs. Here's Isaiah Spiller talking about his ability to do multiple things and third down production as a blocker, as a receiver, all that stuff. Um, I definitely have grown since I've been in them, just understanding blocks, the schemes, um, understanding routes, how to run them, um, how to sit it down, coverages, reading coverages as you're running routes. So thank, thank for everything a and has done for me. Um, I would say kind of like Adrian Peterson, um, Le'Veon Bell, um, Joe Mixon, um, just being patient, letting my block set up, um, running aggressive, physical. So that's my style. I heard a lot of guys talk about Le- prime Le'Veon Bell, they would say, and that patience really seems to be a trait that a lot of these guys admire about his game. You recall those Steelers teams where he would just kind of take the football, slowly pick his way, then find that gap and get through. And a lot of these guys do have that explosiveness. A guy like Arizona State's Rashad White, who, again, another one of these guys, he doesn't have a lot of college carries under his belt, so to speak, which is obviously a good thing to have you know, more tread on the tires, but he got a nice workload this year and found the end zone. He found the explosive play. He found production in the passing game, and his pass pro was pretty damn good, too. Here he is talking about the mentality of pass protection. I'm very comfortable with it. I feel like pass protection has a lot to do with technique, uh, which I talk to a lot of coaches about uh, that I need to correct, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, at the end of the day, pass protection for me is just all hard. Uh, it's all willing to, so and, and coaches see that on my film. Uh, I, I get the job done, so that's a big thing for and that was the last guy I have audio for here. I did, or no, check that, check that. Brees Hall, no, it is the last guy I have audio for. Brees Hall talked a little bit about how he believes that one thing teams want to see from him is his speed. And as a result, he's very excited about running his 40-yard dash, saying he thinks he'll run pretty well in that event. Guy had 56 career touchdowns and nearly 4,000 rushing yards in his career at Iowa State. A phenomenal running back, phenomenal prospect, just like Michigan State's Kenny Walker the third. It's not Kenneth, Kenny Walker. He's going by Kenny now at this stage of his uh, career and in life. And he talked a little bit about how he perfected his, or works to perfect, I should say, his feet and vision and pass protection skills. And he didn't have long answers, so again, didn't clip this off, but he just was very direct and very confident in his answers. And he talked a little bit about how his daily practice habits help him refine that craft and be strong in those areas. So again, we're going to have a lot more coming your way on drive time, breaking down the draft, breaking down everything about this class. We have free agent content coming your way as well. So the entire off-season 
I guess, portion of the calendar. Check in with us here three times a week in the offseason and more times a week during the major events, like right now at the Combine, like free agency, like the draft, all that fun stuff. And we'll have you guys covered from now all the way through OTAs up to training camp and into the season as we always do. In the meantime, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins on all social media channels. And also the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and OJ. And also we're doing, also, 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 we're doing our Twitter spaces. <clears throat> I think we agreed on bi-weekly at this point. We'll see how that goes. But our Twitter spaces, a lot of fun with you guys on Wednesday night. We also have drive time coming up tomorrow on Saturday, as well as another recap episode, I think on Monday or Tuesday. We'll see about that. But again, plenty of combine coverage coming your way. Check out the YouTube channel for some video content, media availabilities, all that fun stuff. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. I have written contents and written recaps each day from my time here in Indianapolis. So check that out as well. Until next time, that's going to be my time. Fins up. Caroline, daddy will be home in two more days.